You're listening to the Comic Book Informer Podcast with Vince and Raj, a podcast for everyone from comic nerds to comic noobs. You know who you are. Now here's your host, Vince. Hello, everybody, and welcome to issue 114 of the Comic Book Informer podcast, coming to you on March 12th, 2013. I'm your host, Vince, along with Roger. How are you doing today, man? I think this is one of those times where I could say I'm actually feeling better than you. <laughs> it's it's a rare happy, occasion. Really <laughs> I may not sound better, but I think I feel better probably than you. <laughs> All right. Uh, before we get into the discussion, did you, did you see uh, any of the announcements last week with Marvel's big digital initiatives that they're rolling out? No. All right, there's actually a couple really cool things that uh, Marvel's doing to kind of make some steps into further digital uh, involvement of their comics. Uh, First is the Marvel Unlimited app. They finally have an iOS app that uh, gives access to the Marvel Digital Comics Unlimited library, uh, Android app coming soon, which is thousands upon thousands of back issues, and it's a a subscription service. I've been using it for several years on PC. It's, It's great. They have pretty much anything you could ever imagine for all the old school stuff. And the newer stuff they get up, they have a minimum six-month window before they'll upload a newer comic. If if you're trying to read newer stuff, it's not that great. But for people who love reading the classic stories like me, it's a fantastic resource. And this is for both then the online as well as the app, or it's a separate thing? The app is just accessing the online library that's previously only been available on PC. Right. So for one price, you can look at it on your PC or on the app. I would assume so. Beautiful. About time they um, do that. People have been asking for that for a bloody long time. Yeah. And to be honest, it's one of the reasons why I didn't get it. Because if you'll remember, um, Mm -hmm. I can't remember when it was. They were having that sale. And I remember asking you too, like, is it worth it for, because I think it was, it wound up being like 30 or 40 bucks for the year. And I was like, I'll I'll do it, but I want to be able to access it from my my iPad. I'm not going to sit in front of the computer and read it. So Mm -hmm. for this, maybe I will actually now. And one interesting step they're taking is they're actually allowing you to download the comics onto your device to read on lo- offline. Dude. Which is a, a new step for digital comics. Unfortunately, right now, they're only limiting you to six issues at a time. But uh, hey, hopefully still, in time, that's, that's a good direction to be moving in. It's still, you know what? You, so what? You get your six and then you take them off and put some more on later. I mean, it's, it's not great if, say, you wanted to have it while you're on vacation somewhere, but although most places now you're going to get, um, you're, you got wireless somehow or whatever that you can just keep getting more. Mm-hmm. And, and we definitely saw also the, the need for that because Marvel had another big announcement. This is all at the uh, South by Southwest festival, by the way, right? where they made 700 issues, uh, basically every number one in the history of the company, including one shots uh, and annuals and stuff, as well as other first appearance comics like, you know, Amazing Fantasy 15 and stuff like that. All of them available for free on Comixology and the Marvel app. Dude. <laughs> and for the What's next with this sudden days, loving? <laughs> uh, for the for next digital. two days, Comixology crashed and burned Jesus, into the ground. <laughs> so they've had to suspend the deal until Comixology can get their act together. <laughs> it, it, when you tell millions of people that they can download 700 comics for free. They will. They will. That's right. <laughs> it was really weird too because they, they they announced it on Sunday and like and it the offer's only valid until Tuesday. Like, why? Just make them available for free all the time. 
Like yeah. that's marketing. I mean, are are you really upset that you're going to lose your two ninety nine for you know X Men number one from nineteen ninety two? You really think people are going to buy that? No, just make it available for free always. Yeah. Well, again, and it is going to entice more people to. Um, to, they'll want to read the other ones. So you do something like that, you are going to entice people to go for then the the the, uh, the yearly digital thing, especially if they're going to have the tablet apps now. Mm-hmm. I'm just hoping we're we're getting close to a future where we can just do an actual digital subscription to Marvel, like for the new stuff, not just the oh, old stuff. Geez, yeah, that that would be amazing. I can't see that happening, but man, that would be amazing. Well, there's one more thing that they're moving in the right direction on. Uh, They announced um, a line of new Infinite comics. If you remember, uh, we had two of the Infinite comics tying into AVX, which were actually pretty good (laughs) and and, uh, nice stories. And they they really use the digital format to their their most. We saw they were written by Mark Wade and, you know, he's been slinging that digital stuff around for a while now. He's really got a handle on it. Stuff. Um, (laughs) That digital... Stuff. I listen. <laughs> no, no, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> we know I'm not working too I, long. Today. I understand. <laughs> That's why I stopped myself. <laughs> um, starting in June, they are going to be releasing weekly digital exclusive Infinite Comics. It's four 13 issue miniseries. Uh, the first one is going to be a Wolverine series co written by Jason Aaron, who, of course, has written some fantastic Wolverine stuff. So now we are getting premier digital exclusive content, which is something I've been asking for forever. So now we're going to see just how much of a demand there is for digital content. And maybe Marvel can realize that if they price it right, that's will the come. big one. That's the big one though. They got to price it right. Don't try to gouge your audience and then be disappointed when they don't flock to it. Because the the first Infinite comic was ninety nine cents, so it, psh, of course yeah. done. Yeah. But I think the, the the second one was like two ninety nine. I was like, wait, wait a minute, guys, come on, <laughs> what are we doing here? Definitely not. But it, it, it's cool to see you know a major company like Marvel making a conscious effort to establish themselves digitally. Because Marvel and DC have both just been like, yeah, we're digital, and you know they just kind of left the door propped open. Like they haven't done anything with it yet. So I'm I'm glad to see that uh, that's been working out. Yeah, for sure. All right. As to the actual discussion, uh, the first comic I want to cover this week is Uncanny Avengers, issues three and four, actually, uh, because they do tie together well, uh, quite nicely. Uh, we saw in the first couple issues, you know, it was just sort of establishing stuff. It was nothing really amazing, you know, especially not what we would have expected, you know, from Reminder as a writer. I mean, yeah, sure, it had some craziness of Red Skull scooping out Charles Xavier's brain <laughs> and sticking it into his own head. But it wasn't until issue three that things really started to come together for me. I know I mentioned it on uh, what we're reading a month or so ago and said, you know, I really loved what he was doing with the style of the comic, giving it an old school feel that just really worked for the story. And a lot of people didn't like it. So that's why I kind of want to bring it up in discussion because you hadn't read it at the time. So I'm really interested to know what you thought of these issues. In all honesty, I I don't want to say that I was disappointed because it's not that I was disappointed, but I cannot even compare this to the love that I had of his Uncanny X Force. Right? Oh, I'm, I'm not, not saying even, it's. Oh as no, no, good of course, yeah, yeah, no, no. But, but, but if I were looking at what he did or what was done in Uncanny X Force and reading these, I wouldn't even see them as the same writer. And so, for me, that's fairly 
a big indicator right there. I I did not really enjoy this all that much. I, 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 okay, that's a little too harsh. I enjoyed it, but it wasn't really that big of a deal. And there were points even that I will say, actually, I wasn't crazy about. I'm not a huge Red Skull fan. So to me... I should hope not. That was, you know what I mean, <laughs> as a villain. Um, so right then and there, that to me was a, 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 not that big of a deal it didn't interest me the stuff with taking xavier's brain okay you got me there that, that was that was cool let's see what you're going to do with it kind of thing a little more than a little far out but okay whatever but then the whole thing with the 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 the, the humans versus mutant things like i mean they, they made such a huge friggin' deal about that with the phoenix stuff and now instead of having that trying to work out what's happened since then and you know for all intents and purposes just kind of heal from it whatever it's this yet another powerful villain that's trying to do the same thing so and it and it's just something that i mean we've we've seen it too much especially as of late it feels so to me it was just like rehashing yet another anti-mutant kind of storyline and so I really wasn't digging it all that much. And I, and even the characters in it, Havoc was just this this whole thing with him and, and Captain America coming at odds and like, am I leading the team or not? It was like, you know what? Meh. It, it wasn't really thrilling. It wasn't really much. I, You know, overall, it was very... I, I, I could have gone without reading it and really not care. Hmm. Okay. Well, you... We have different tastes, clearly. Yeah. And I, I really, actually, I appreciate Reminder having different styles for the things he writes. As we saw uh, Uncanny X-Force and here, Uncanny Avengers. And even Captain America has a completely different feel from everything else. And this is actually something he mentioned on his Twitter right around the time this issue came out. And he was getting all the mixed feedback. And he was saying that he came to the comics industry to do, you know, weird, crazy things and just really stretch his creative muscles. And for a time over the past couple of years, he really stagnated and, you know, just wasn't very happy with the creativity of the content he was putting out. Not necessarily the actual quality, but he felt he could do more. And I like that as a creator, he's doing new and different things. Even if they don't work, attempt, attempt something different. And it, it might not appeal to every audience, but like I said, there's a number of people who really enjoyed this as well. Like I said, I loved how it had a very old school aesthetic, really throwing back to, to classic Marvel stuff. And a lot of that was through the narration. And I've said so many times that I'm not a big fan of just straight out narration in comics because, you know, I grew up on the Claremont stuff of, you know, oh, Wolverine unsheathes his claws, bonded to the metal of adamantium, you know, by the Weapon X project. And it just went on and on forever, repetitive stuff. But I really enjoyed the way Reminder used it in the story to enhance what was going on. It, was, it wasn't describing what's happening in the panel. It's giving some background on it. And, and really, at least in my opinion, it lended a little more emotion to the story in seeing you know, the actual motivations of what's going on instead of just, like I said, describing what's happening on the panel. At times, I thought, though, that he went a little overboard with the narration, um, even just more than just a little overboard with it. It wasn't terrible, no, but but it was, I thought it went a little overboard sometimes. I'll, I'll, I'll buy that. As far as the, the human versus mutants thing, uh, I'll agree that you know it's probably a little too soon to be repeating the story, but 
I'm going to assume there's a larger plan for this involved. And it, it also kind of makes sense, though, because it's not like after AVX, everybody suddenly became okay with mutants again. You know, it, you have to kind of build on that story of while you know, the superheroes may have reconciled with the mutants, at least partially, the human race and the general population are, are still kind of pissed. So to, to take it in that direction, especially with the Red Skull as the character, you know, the Red Skull and everything him as a Nazi represents of, you know, purity of genetics and, you know, ideals of the human race. And he, he can see the mutants as aberrations that need to be eliminated, whether he believes that himself or not, as we, we see Captain America kind of psychoanalyzing him later on. I think that's an interesting story to tell, though, and I, I enjoyed it. And see, it did the same thing that we've seen too many times as well, where you have the team that that they are against mutants or things like that, but to make themselves strong enough to fight mm-hmm. them, they do horrible things to their own bodies and change themselves so that it's like that that old story of who's the monster now kind of thing. We've seen that kind of cliched trope far too many times now. So that was another strike against it, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm, I'm not a fan of the S-Men, uh, Red Skull's henchmen here. Yeah. Although I got to say, I loved Honest John, the living propaganda. That's just such a ridiculous concept of, you know, this guy who's just got this, you know, silver tongue and can speak into your ear and make you believe everything he's saying as if it's, you know, spoken by someone who you see as a leader. Like, that's some cool stuff. And it kind of bounces off what Red Skull can do because this com- these two comics did have some really awesome moments, as we saw when they took control of friggin' Thor. Because, of course, Thor represents the Nazi ideal of, you know, the perfect being, you know, large, you know, white, light skinned, blonde hair, blue eyes. And, of course, you know, he also happens to be a friggin' god. And just this, all the stuff they did with Thor, having him completely jack up Wolverine, that was, <laughs> that, was, that was handled very well. Like the way that scene paced itself out. I didn't expect to see Thor coming out of the sky and landing a blow right in Wolverine's forehead. Yeah. Yeah, that was cool. Although, uh, what's with it? Again, he'd taken a little too long to heal there. It, it seems to change depending on what series it's in. Well, if, if you recall, he had his healing factor turned off by the, the goat-faced girl. She can suppress mutant powers. So when he, did he that got happen? Pretty, pretty harshly messed up. So it's taking a little while for the healing factor to kick in, I guess. Okay. I don't remember I, that. I can buy it because it, it led to a fun scene of Wolverine, you know, sitting in a chair yeah. by the fire. <laughs> Getting drunk. <laughs> but then I like how they're establishing the Scarlet Witch as, you know, an actual force because we see her holding off Thor and not at least, you know, initially, you know, she obviously had to go completely insane to take Thor off the board. But as a character herself and lending to future stories, we can see she can hold her own without, you know, becoming the crazy woman we've seen uh, over the last couple of years. So that's not that. And that's something we haven't seen from the Scarlet Witch in a long time is her just using her powers normally instead of this, you know, crazy mystic mumbo jumbo. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. So Although it's, the it's, stuff it, with her it, too is getting on my nerves too, because it's just, it's the same kind of thing where nobody kind of likes her anymore and nobody trusts her. And it's the same kind of, you know, you know, get over it. Yeah. Uh, I won't argue that. Yeah. 
But I mean, it said it's it's not a comic that's going to appeal to everyone. I, I don't know if this was a good choice to be, you know, the headline comic uh, of Marvel right now. It's a comic I'm definitely happy they're putting out, and a d- comic I'm definitely happy to read. But I don't know if it should be should have been necessarily the flagship title because it, it's just got that weird style to it. And again, is it a comic that you are very much looking forward to? Every issue it comes out, or is me it just yes, yes? You okay? Me now, not so much. I mean, I'll, I'll be looking forward to seeing what the next story arc is going to be. Don't get me wrong, but to say like I'm really looking forward to it, no. Wow, X Force, my God, dude! I was camping out at the comic store <laughs> waiting for the next issue. Although I got to say, like he upped the weird factor with that little epilogue at the end of the story, where we see three months later. Everything has gone to hell. This isn't, you know, years down the line. No, this is three months, 90 days, and things have gone completely insane. We see uh, Nimrods patrolling the skies that are apparently of Tony Stark's design. They find Immortus, who I'm not even going to get into who Immortus is for people who don't understand, but basically if he shows up in a story, it's kind of a big deal. They're talking about the Apocalypse Twins, and then you see Red Skull showing up as a new version of Onslaught with a brainless zombie Xavier. I, it was ridiculous. It was insane. And I loved it because of that. Yeah, that did interest me. I will say that much. Because if you can get me to care about an Onslaught story, Onslaught is one of those poster children for the 90s who I could definitely do without. You've really won me over. <laughs> and then just before we get off, uh, art by John Cassidy and Laura Martin my God, so many of these panels in this comic were just fantastic, especially the coloring, like Scarlet Witch and Thor. That battle was oh, just Jesus, yeah. fantastic stuff. Or, you know, when they had the crazy, like, 60s, like, hypno thing going on with Red Skull. And he had, oh, there was so much great art in these issues. The panel with Havoc and Scarlet Witch against the wall with the poster of yes. the various moods. What is that from? That, that is Days of Future Past. Okay, there you go. That was that was initially Wolverine and Shadowcat. That's what it is. Okay. Because I was Great thinking, homage. where the Great hell homage. did I see that before? <laughs> I couldn't pin it, but I knew it was somewhere. Mm-hmm. Okay, moving on. Uh, we have the release of Marvel's Next big thing. Next, next big thing. You, you know what I mean. <laughs> they, they, they have a big thing every couple months. And this is The Age of Ultron. Uh, written by Brian Michael Bendis. Art by Brian Hitch, Paul Neary, and Paul Mounts. And I was completely unimpressed by this first issue. Really? Wow. Yeah. We are just at odds on everything <laughs> this week. My God, because I really enjoyed this. Again, it's not that it was really... Um, original in its concept because it's it's a post-apocalyptic mutant or not necessarily mutant but hero story um like i we just saw essentially the same thing except mayberry doing it so it was you know not all that different but i liked the take on it i liked how suddenly it was it was it was a lot more serious now we're seeing arrows going through people's mm-hmm. larynxes. You know, that's what you're always thinking. Why don't they just put them down? Well, now they are. Um, but I liked the way it was written. I liked the, the, that it kept me turning the page. I liked the story. I like where it's going. I'm curious where it's going to be going as well. So I actually really enjoyed this. See, it, for me, 
like you said, we, this is something we've seen, you know, multiple times oh, yeah, throughout yeah, the history of comics. Yeah. And, you know, and I don't know, it just didn't grab a hold of me. Like I saw it. Okay. You know, there's some changes, like you said, of, of Hawkeye, you know, being lethal now instead of, you know, just being Hawkeye. Although I did love, you know, the world's come to an end and you're still using bows and arrows. Yeah. This is why nobody likes you. Yes. <laughs> I agree. It, I, I don't know. There just didn't seem to be enough at stake here. Like, yeah, we see the Avengers living, you know, underground in the sewers. We see Captain America just destroyed as a human being, you know, which is that that panel I will give you. Oh, it's yeah. like, okay, Captain America is acting like that. Something's definitely wrong. I just, well, the I don't shield know. and pieces at his feet yeah. too. Like, oh, that was an amazing panel. Yeah, that panel is really what kept me on board here. I just... I don't know. It didn't do much for me. It didn't do much to grab a hold of me as, okay, look how bad things are here other than, you know, breaking up some buildings and sticking the Avengers and the Ninja Turtles base. Now, that being said, if we are like, you can't help but think of uh, Mayberry's Avengers versus Marvel Universe um, just because, again, A, it just happened recently. And it's a kind of, again, the same type of thing. I don't think this comes close even to what Mayberry did with that. That was far more gripping, far more engaging, and it caught us right from the get-go. And especially, I know that it caught me right from the get-go, and I really enjoyed it. Granted, there was more of a history there with that IP. So we knew what we were getting into. We, we knew we were going to love it and things like that. So, th- But this is, this is new, and you got to baby steps into it to, to get used to it. Um, but I did prefer what Mayberry did. But mm-hmm. I'm still really enjoying this too. Part of it is, of course, again, being a sucker for a post-apocalyptic type of story. So, and the fact that it is going in a much more, for lack of, well, violent, yes, but more realistic in terms of just how far the characters will take it. I'm, I'm really curious what's going to be happening in here. Mm-hmm. Probably the main thing holding me back is... This miniseries just has a feeling of going wrong for me based on what I know of all the behind the scenes stuff. Like uh, this comic was announced a couple years ago and Brian Hitch, Brian Hitch left Marvel like a year and a half ago. Like this was the last thing he did for Marvel and people have been asking him about it for ages now. And he's like, I don't know. I finished it. I don't know why Marvel hasn't published it yet. So we come to find out what was originally supposed to be a six-issue story by Bendis and Hitch has now become a 12-issue story with them tacking on some extra artists uh, throughout it. Uh, Brandon Peterson doing a couple issues, Carlos Pacheco doing a couple issues, and they just announced Joe Quesada is actually doing the last issue himself. So it kind of has that flashpoint feel for me because it it makes me think that this was something they had kind of set up to be a big deal, and now they're trying to bring the relaunch into it because they, they've mentioned, you know, you'll see after the halfway point, like the Marvel now comics, you know, the character design showing up because as we see here, the, the artwork at the beginning, like the cover, those are the old costumes. And now throughout the comic, they're all wearing, you know, post-apocalyptic gear. They're not really recognizable, but it's just a lot of the weird stuff going on behind the scenes as to what exactly their original plan was for this miniseries and where it is now. I, I needed something a little stronger to really draw me in, knowing that there's some weirdness going on. I won't argue with that, yeah. All right. And the last comic we're talking about today, keeping on the uncanny thread here from earlier, Uncanny Skull Kickers. 
I, of course. Dude, I still haven't read it. They I, haven't I showed up. Oh, I'm God. waiting. They haven't All showed right, up. So edit that out. I told you we were going to talk about it this week. You should no, say something. Is it in the show notes? Yes. Okay, it wasn't in the show notes when I checked a couple of days ago. <laughs> no, it wasn't. So there you go. <laughs> it's okay. We talked for a while about other stuff anyway. <laughs> you can talk about it if you want. No, no, no. That's no. all right. We, we can I, wait. I won't be mad at you if you do. Uh, that's, no, it's all right. All right. So it does give folks a little bit more time to get emails in. So <laughs> if you have not sent an email yet, send it to roger at comicbookinformer.com. And we have the signed copy of Uncanny Skull Kickers number one by Jim Zub. And I'm going to be shipping it off to one person at random. So again, just send me an email at roger at comicbookinformer.com. And eventually we'll talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> and if you need some further uh, push to... No, just how incredible th- this whole Skull Kickers thing is. I've got another press release for you. <laughs> what is it now? This June, Image Comics beats a horse to death and you're all invited to watch. It's a new comic that's not new at all, but it is dark. How dark, you ask? It's so dark we had to use the word twice. Dark Skull Kickers dark. This may be the worst thing we've ever done, said Image PR Marketing Director Jennifer DeGuzman. It's a pale reflection of the industry's need to spin rebooted series through endless hype, turning the crazed hamster wheel of entertainment promotion until it's fallen apart. Goodbye, integrity. All right. I know Zub writes these press releases. (laughs) I need to know if DeGuzman is an actual person or not. Apparently. (laughs) Dark Skull Kickers Dark, number one, written by old industry pariah Jim Zub and drawn by young pencil jockey Edwin Huang, wraps up the fourth story arc of Skull Kickers, the series people keep saying they've heard about but haven't had a chance to try yet. But dang it, they will at some point if they see the collections on sale or something. Fun comic books are a thing of the past, said series creator Zub. In order to grab a modern audience, I've dipped into the darkness of my own heart and spilled my blood upon the pages of the sequential masterpiece. Oh, yeah, there's beer in it, too. And then it continues with, uh, you know, the usual stuff. I, I don't want to sound like we're shilling out this series, but as long as it are, they're doing this creative, fun stuff, I'm going to keep talking about you it. You know what, though? <laughs> How many times have we talked? I know that I keep saying it over and over again. Whenever we get these new reboots and the same things and the uncanny Avengers and all this crap... If I'm going to be making fun of them, then yes, as long as Zub keeps this up, I will keep mentioning it as well. (laughs) And of course, I mentioned to Zub on Twitter and I was like, so let me guess, you're going to sell out and return to the original numbering for the big anniversary issue. And he's he's like, of course, we're almost a quarter of the way to 100. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Well, as for comics that we actually did read... I want to touch on uh, some of our favorites this week, actually. Uh, I actually haven't had a chance to read that many comics due to illness, so I could only read a a couple highlights. So I chose, of course, Superior Spider-Man. Did you read the latest issue? No, I didn't. Okay. I I read the Avengers one that you, or Avenging one that you talked about mm -hmm. where he's babysitting. Without uh, ruining anything then, I love how they really have set Otto up as a superior Spider-Man we see just how much better he is at this job than Peter. <laughs> there's, there's points in the story where Peter's ghost is yelling at him. He's like, what are you doing? You can't do that. And then he gets there and he's like, oh, yeah, that's actually a pretty good idea. Why didn't I ever think of that? Yeah. <laughs> so I, I love what they're doing with this. It's darn it slot. Like, 
I would not have expected it to be this awesome. The more it is going on, the more I've been enjoying it. I, I still hold true to what I've said before about it too and all that and the trepidations. But he's doing such a phenomenal job with each issue. And uh, as is, uh, who is that? That's Yost who works on Avenging, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, Christmas Yost. Uh, he's doing a great job as well. So, I mean, it's, I, I have been enjoying it quite a bit. Mm-hmm. All right. I also read all new X-Men number eight. Did you catch that one? Yes. No. God, <laughs> what do I keep you around for? I read other comic books. <laughs> okay, that, that's a good thing. That, that's a positive. This was, you know, just more of what we've seen. This issue was great because it focused on the angels. And we, we finally see, you know, <laughs> how Warren reacts to seeing his future self. And I love that Angel has always been such a fun-loving character. And we haven't seen that in the longest time, thanks to friggin' Apocalypse. But... Seeing that back and the two angels together just having a good time, it was really fun, really interesting. And of course, it leads to Warren having a complete mental breakdown. Like He still doesn't know what happens to him, but he knows he doesn't want it's anything to do with it. Yeah. <laughs> and there was the best scene in the history of comics where you know, the, the Avengers and, and show up. Yeah, they, they now see that there were two angels, so obviously something's gone wrong. <laughs> And Beast goes out to meet them. And he's like, Logan, you should come with me. And Logan's like, no, I'm not going anywhere near that. <laughs> so it's just Beast and Captain America you know, having a conversation. And we have no idea what they're saying. Instead, we get Iceman and Shadowcat giving their version of the conversation. Iceman speaking as Captain America and Shadowcat speaking as Beast. And it was hilarious. It was so good. <laughs> All right. I'm going to have to read that tonight. And we still have David Marquez on art, and I'm still really liking what he's doing, um, especially with the old school characters. He really gives the older characters, not the older characters, the, the original yeah. X-Men, more of a retro style than uh, Emonen did. And it, it, they really look like they stepped out of the old comics from the 60s. You know, Gene has huge hair, the way their costumes are designed. I think he has a better handle on that aesthetic than Emonen did, but... Of course, Emonen is just ridiculous at what he does. Mm -hmm. But it's so weird. Like, I've seen so many people online complaining about the art. Like, this guy sucks. When's the other guy coming back? Like, really? Like, yeah, okay. You, you, nobody can stand up to Emonen. That guy's ridiculous, like I said. But first of all, if you don't even know the name of the artists you're talking about, your <laughs> argument is already kind of invalid. But I, I still really like what Marquez is doing here on the art. Yeah, no, I agree. It just looked fantastic. And then ever so briefly, uh, Secret Avengers number one. I forgot we were supposed to talk about it in the last episode because it was a new number one comic that came out. <laughs> because the comic was completely forgettable. I actually forgot it existed until I was doing the show notes for this week and realizing that issue two comes out this week. <laughs> so um, it, you can pass on that one. <laughs> yeah, I didn't read it. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> All right. What did you read? Um, Uncanny X-Force number two. Following with uh, with uh, what their faces, uh, Storm and Phantom X and Psylocke and Puck. I, I knew where I was going with this. You just had to give me a minute. Hey, I, uh, I have no room to complain this week. No. Um, so this was still good. A hell of a lot more action. Like this is just beginning to end. Friggin' awesome. I really enjoyed this a lot. Did you read it? It made me like Puck. Well, I wouldn't go that far. 
All right, it made me not hate Puck. Okay, then maybe that. Um, <laughs> the toothbrushes gift? <laughs> That's just going to be a whole ball of crazy from this, <laughs> from now on, isn't it? Because, like, oh, yeah. Phantom X giving himself um, a gift, and it's used toothbrushes, Obama's toothbrush, Queen Elizabeth II's toothbrush. I thought it was freaking hilarious. I <laughs> what do you get the person who has everything? <laughs> use toothbrushes so yeah but no great issue and again you want to talk about amazing art holy crap and hell oh who, yeah who did the art on this again I'm, I'm gonna check here um ron garney wow freaking awesome art uh and then also um uncanny x-men number two so following we just just talked about that too and um following what's happening there although this one now is with emma whose powers are all jacked up too and she does not know what the hell is going on she can't really read but she can project her thoughts did you read this yeah okay so yeah hilarious i thought oh my god this i now love because here's this character that's always been so bloody full of herself and they can read everybody's thoughts and now she's the one that's vulnerable because she can't read but she's projecting her own thoughts out and it was like i freaking love this it was awesome and for the first time too in a long long while the relationship stuff between her and Scott didn't mm-hmm. just make me groan. It was fun to read. So, no, yeah, that was... Very, very well done. Yeah, great issue. I love the stuff, too, where she's talking about how <laughs> how Ileana is scaring her. <laughs> it scares the hell out of her. Um, this was really a fun, fun issue. I liked it a lot. And again, Bacalo. Bacalo? Bacalo? What is it? I say Bacalo. I say Bacalo. Oh, you're Canadian. I also say tomato. Um, anyways, so yeah, no, the art was just same as the other ones. I mean, we've raved about it enough. It's just absolutely beautiful. So yeah, I got those two that uh, I really enjoyed, really recommend them highly. Okay, you also have Justice League Beyond in the show notes. I don't go by the show notes. Okay, so let's talk about that then. <laughs> it's something you put in the show notes. I did because so. I wanted to remind myself, hey, don't forget to Good talk job. about that. Yeah, well, dude. Stop being so mean. <laughs> okay. The reason I put it in there is because it's issue number 18. Um, I have actually not been reading these all religiously, so I'm picking here and there and kind of reading them. Um, and I, I still enjoy them, and I've been enjoying the Justice League Beyond as well as the Batman Beyond stuff. But the reason I like this, of course, is because it was um, Batman stuff, but it was... After the events of, like in terms of flashbacks, after the events of the Batman movie, the Batman Beyond movie, and uh, where you see all the stuff going horribly wrong with the Joker and stuff like that. And then um, in here you see Gordon talking to both Batman as well as Barbara as Batgirl. And they're talking about everything that's happened and things like that and how it's it's far more serious now. And she almost, she's taken her mask off saying, listen, it's uh, enough of these secrets. We can't keep having these secrets. And he grabs her arm and stops her and says, I can't handle any more revelations. Like (laughs) that's it. It's a great line too. It's I can't handle any more revelations tonight or ever really. And he stops her and he says, I don't want to know. 
this is, we have to draw that line. And so it was really cool. And then you're seeing more about, again, what happened at that time, which so changed Bruce because he's like, Barbara is telling him like, that's it. I'm, I'm going to be done. I'm going to be moving on and going into the, uh, to, to become a real cop and going into the Academy. And I've, I've pretty much had it with this. And then it flashes forward to where he is then talking with McGinnis and they're talking about the, the, um, the, 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 basically the, the morgue for supervillains that they don't get a normal morgue. It's like way down underground in a locked facility and all that. And, um, and then there's, there's, there's all kinds of stuff going on down there too with uh, with Harley Quinn and all kinds of stuff. It just it was a phenomenal episode or not episode I should say issue so that tells you how good it was. You forgot you weren't watching the TV. Yeah, show. really. If you liked the episodes of Batman Beyond and especially if you liked um, the movie, like if you if you loved that Batman Beyond movie, which if there's something if wrong didn't. with it, there's something wrong with it. Yeah. Um, but if you liked it and you wanted to know what came up, you know, immediately afterwards kind of thing, this is what you want to read issue 18 of justice league beyond. And it was really, really good. I loved it. Art was amazing too. See, I, I am so far behind on those. And just recently I was actually hearing, you know, a lot of good things about the Beyond stuff. I was like, man, I need to get back in and check that out. So yeah, no, thanks for, thanks for convincing me. Yeah, no, it was really quite good. I enjoyed it a hell of a lot. Okay. Well, if that's all then, I'm assuming. Yep. All right. So for this week's new releases, Marvel brings us Age of Ultron number two. That's going to be shipping quite frequently, by the way. Uh, Alpha Big Time number two. Avengers Assemble number 13. Avenging Spider-Man number 18. Fantastic Four number five. Secret Avengers number two. I had to make sure to put it in there. I would forget about it again. Thor God of Thunder number six. Ultimate Wolverine number one, a new miniseries with uh, Jimmy Hudson uh, exploring, you know, just who his father is. Oh, that would be cool. Good luck making sense out of that Jeff Loeb storyline where he spontaneously grew adamantium out of his arms. <laughs> Ultimate X-Men number 24. Uncanny X-Men number 3. The new Wolverine number 1. Not Savage. Wolverine and the X-Men number 26. X-Men Legacy number 7. And Extreme X-Men number 12. DC, we have issue 18 for Batman and Batman and Robin where we are dealing with the death of said Robin. Uh, Demon Knights and Suicide Squad as well. Don't laugh at me. I'm laughing at Suicide Squad. You can't stop I, me. I have to put something in there, all right? <laughs> Suicide Squad? No. <laughs> and listen, I honestly don't read half the DC comics I list in here. I just have to say something so all people right. remember they're still around. <laughs> all right. And for everybody else, Dark Horse this week brings us Ghost number four and Star Wars number three. IDW has Ghostbusters number two. And a big lineup from Image this week. We have Manhattan Projects number 10, Mind the Gap number eight. Walking Dead, number 108. Where is Jake Ellis, number three. And then from Valiant, Archer and Armstrong, number eight. So lots of cool stuff out there this week. Awesome. So that's going to wrap us up here. As always, you can find us online at comicbookinformer.com or on Twitter at CBinformer. Once again, reminder, Roger at comicbookinformer.com for that uncanny skull kickers giveaway. I have to assume they will get to his house eventually. The moose will find its way. But until the next snow week, is thanks melting. for listening. The snow is melting. It'll get here eventually. Don't make fun of our postal service. <laughs> All right. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs>